This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Shamanic healing includes a huge body of ancient wisdom technologies for engaging non-physical beings in the spirit realms to assist humans in healing, evolving, and harmonizing ourselves, our communities, and our relationships to all that is. We are on the brink of a phenomenal healing revolution with new radical understanding and breakthrough technologies emerging continually. I desire to spark your imagination and fuel your inquiry into the realms of spirit-based energy healing and to wish you well as a fellow traveler through the great mystery of being. Judith. Valeria Tellez interviews Judith Hoagland. She is the author of Embody Wholeness, Journeys into Energy Healing, Altered States, and the Quantum Field. To Judith Hoagland, guiding people in deep personal healing, self-discovery, and empowerment is her life's passion. Over the past three decades, she has studied and employed a wealth of both ancient and modern techniques to promote healing on all levels of being. In addition to traditional shamanic techniques of energy work, such as cleansings, extractions, and entity removal, she utilizes guided hypnosis journeys to facilitate her client's connection with helping spirits and guides. These light-filled beings assist in performing soul retrievals, healing trauma, PTSD and illness, clearing energy blockages, past life trauma and impediments, ancestor healing, unbinding spells, curses and unhealthy connections, and more. Every one of us carries archive trauma, either personal, ancestral, transpersonal, or all three, To be born into a physical body is to inherit some form of trauma. The energy blockages created by this suffering sooner or later create illness. In working through these layers of challenges, Judith has traveled extensively and worked with numerous healing modalities, including Sophie mysticism, Andean shamanism, Reiki, breathwork, meditation, hypnotherapy, plant medicine, and with a variety of native and shamanic healers. Yet, it has been through guiding and assisting others towards healing that her creative gifts have blossomed. She has been inspired to create a synthesis of techniques that open the doors for clients to receive extensive personal and family healing, as well as enduring spiritual guidance that transforms their lives. Energy healing and shamanic techniques open us to the realms of quantum reality, that are potentially unlimited in scope and are thus effective both in person and remotely. In her private practice, Judith works with clients by guiding them through deep introspective journey work at her home in Sonoma County, California. She also offers session by phone and internet. 
Her recent book details step-by-step guidelines that anyone can follow to learn these healing techniques. And she also offers workshops for in-person training of shamanic healing. Meet Judith at judithhoagland.com. Here's the interview with Judith Hoagland. In your own words, who is Judith Hoagland? <laughs> well, I feel myself to be a multidimensional being. So I'd say that first. And then as Judith Hoagland, I enjoy being a shamanic practitioner and teacher, a facilitator of healing, a spiritual guide and mentor. And yet I'm still a student and a seeker after all. How did you discover this calling for Judith? How did you answer that call? And how did you uncover the calling for doing what you do, Judith? Well, that's a very long story. I'll <laughs> yes. try to, to make, make it succinct. Uh, <laughs> right. Because healing, healing is something that uh, I've been called to since I was, ever since I can remember, you know, as, a, as a child, anyone who fell down and skimmed their knees or... or bumped in their elbow or anything, I would take them home and wash out their wound and bandage them up. And, and so that that healing wisdom and drive and just uh, awareness has always been there. And then as I got older, I delved more into my own healing, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, and it just kind of evolved over time. The, the deeper I got into healing modalities, the, the more nourishing it became to my soul and to my being to follow this path. And uh, so it just unfolded over time. Seems like it's how it happens for all of us. It's uh, this unfolding experience of discovery, isn't it? Of who we are in a way. It's a beautiful yes. thing. Yeah, I think that's, that's life. Yeah, in your biography, you say, to me, guiding people in deep personal healing, self-discovery, and empowerment is my life's passion. That caught my attention Two terms here, deep personal healing and empowerment. How does it feel to be there if there is a destination for these two ideas, deep personal healing and empowerment? Well, I don't think it's a destination. I, I think it's a journey for sure. Uh, but it's it's being it's it's working with people who are willing to go into what's been buried in their subconscious things that they've maybe parts of themselves they've disowned or trauma they've experienced that they they couldn't uh, digest and hold on to at the time so it's been pushed into the subconscious and then also uh, maybe past life uh, experiences especially traumatic deaths comes up a lot that the person could not resolve at the moment of their death in a past life. And I don't know how that works, but somehow it is carried forward into, into this lifetime and then can, can manifest certain types of illness. And then, then there's inherited uh, trauma too. So your, your grandparents or someone in your ancestral lineage uh, experienced some, something so horrific that they couldn't deal with it either and they push that into their subconscious and it's now well known that that comes through epigenetically even uh, into the 
the eggs uh, of the mother and then the fetus and then is carried down the line. So uh, the deep healing is being willing to go in there and look at what is driving you from the subconscious. You know, it's like we get triggered and these things kind of go boing, you know, they pop out. Uh, that means there's something in there that has not been resolved. And so it, it's going in there and uh, taking a look at it and bringing it to light, accepting it and uh, resolving it. So that was the first part of your question. I, I'm not sure about the second part. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> it was empowerment. Would that lead us to empowerment? And if it does, how do you describe what empowerment is? Yeah, em empowerment, it does lead to empowerment, yes. And uh, to me, empowerment is um, having all the aspects of yourself uh, up in the conscious, in your conscious awareness, and available to you to provide their gifts so that you feel whole and healthy and uh, like all the parts of you are here and you feel good about yourself. So you're coming from a place of internal strength, which I would call empowerment. Yeah, it's fascinating how wholeness can play or can appear as parts. I mean, it has been incredibly intriguing to me to see that. How is it possible, wholeness, to divide? It's not possible, but it does, right? Yeah, that's the paradox. It, it, and I think it's an illusion, just like the the three, third dimensional reality is really an illusion or a, a very sophisticated dream. Uh, I don't think we can ever, like you said, I agree, I don't think we can ever be divided. We are always whole. And yet, for the purpose of uh, learning and growing our, our evolution of our consciousness, we have the illusion of these parts are separated and buried and, and sequestered and not available. So really, as, as the Andean people say, uh, it's the game of life. So we're actually playing a very sophisticated game of, of kind of hide and seek with ourselves in order to learn and grow. Were you able to see the big picture of that? Once we are evolved and we have grown enough, what would that look like, this reality on Earth? I don't think anyone knows that from this point, uh, because I think it's, uh, it's endless. I think our potential for the growth of consciousness is infinite, as is the all it is. And yet, what I see us in at this particular point is... Uh, entering fifth dimensional consciousness, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, but it's it's a higher and higher vibration until we are at a point where we again remember our oneness, that we are connected to everything that is and, and all plants, all animals, all being. It's not just an idea, which it is now. We we think about it and think, well, that. Yeah, that would be a good idea. This is a direct, visceral knowing and experience that we are one being. And so I think that's that's where we're headed. That's the big picture that yeah. I see right now. Would that be the experience of unconditional love, as some say? Yes, I think so. I think that's the point, right, is it, that we are able to manifest unconditional love for all beings. Talk to me for a moment about shamanic healing. And how did you discover it? And what is, for those who don't know, what is shamanic healing? Well, I'd have to start with shamanism first. I'm 
shaman, the word shaman and shamanism comes from a Siberian, a Tungic word for someone, the one who sees, one who knows. And since we don't really have a word for that in English, we just took that word and, and, and made it English. Yet uh, shamanic and shamanic healing, a shaman, first of all, is already in the state of being where they recognize that everything is consciousness. All all things that exist, whether in, in physical manifested form or still in spiritual form, are all conscious. So trees, rocks, air, uh, elements, uh, people, all beings uh, are conscious. And because they're conscious, we can have a relationship with them. And so shamanism is developing relationships with all beings so this would be like your animal allies for example say you have an owl that comes to you to help you or maybe a plant comes to talk to you uh, or maybe your grandmother comes in or some other being some ascended master or uh, angelic beings or even extraterrestrial beings these are all part of shamanism and they're all available for us to have relationships with and so shamanic healing involves uh, finding these different beings, the ones that are the appropriate being consciousness frequency to address the issue that the person has. Right. I hope that makes sense there. With that in mind, question that I often ask is, what are some of the obstacles to healing, to the growth and the evolution that we spoke earlier? What do you see there? Uh, well, beliefs are a big part of the obstacle. One is thinking that somebody else is going to heal you for one. And so giving over your power and expecting someone to heal you. Or um, also one I see is, I mean, mainly it's belief. People, people don't believe in past lives or they don't believe in the spirit realm or, or something like that. But the other one is kind of the reductionistic mentality of our Western allopathic medicine, which is looking for the cause, like the silver bullet, that there's one cause, and when you find that, uh, then everything will be fixed. So that that's another obstacle I see. So uh, the way to let go of these obstacles is just be open-minded and allow what is to be there. You mentioned beliefs, not believing in past lives. This is um, another interesting kind of idea, concept, or truth that I have been kind of trying. I guess I tried to have an experience of that. I probably had. I had some glimpses of that. But for some reason, it was never a direct experience that I had with clarity. It's not a calling for some of us to experience these kinds of realms, like memories of the past lives. And I wonder why. I would love to hear from you a bit more about that. Yeah, that's a good question. I have similar issues where I have uh, friends and even clients who are extremely gifted. They're clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. They can travel these realms. Some of them just at will. Uh, whereas I don't have that. I'm more intuitive. And so I just kind of know things. And I think it goes back to the back to the game of life that before we incarnate, we kind of uh, set up what kinds of skills we're going to have, what kinds of abilities and skills and consciousness we're going to have to 
both make the game more interesting and also to encourage us to develop other aspects of ourselves that we might not have done if we had those other gifts. But I think it's intentional. I don't. I don't think uh, to, that we're lacking anything. That we're, de- we're defective or you know, <laughs> missing parts of ourselves. Ah, yeah. I love that. That was a beautiful answer. Right. Right. And comment. Yes. Because if life is as a whole, it's playing with the parts to get that state of consciousness that is evolved. That would make sense. That now we have different parts playing, doing what they do. So we are all have these different assignments and how fascinating just to talk about. It's just incredibly, kind of opens the heart even, even more. What is your idea of balance? Mm, that's a good question. So, so b- balance for me is like harmony, like in music, that everything is harmonious. Everything is vibrating in such a way that it creates uh, like a symphony instead of discordance. And so, and also that the universe, as I see it, is completely balanced at any moment. There is a complete balance of positive and negative charge uh, of the duality that we're in. And, and so this, this balance is, I believe, part of the fabric of consciousness. And that goes back to the title of your book, which is, I love, as I said, off record, Embody Wholeness. That's the main title. And then the subtitle is Journeys into Energy Healing, Altered States, and the Quantum Field. What was the inspiration to write your book, Judith? And not just the inspiration, but also the intention of writing it. Well, what was behind it was, uh, actually, I have uh, the pandemic to thank for my book because once we had to stay home and we were all here sheltered in place, I had no excuse not to not to write it, <laughs> right. and I had been uh, I had been doing this work for for decades actually, and uh, gradually expanding my abilities and teaching other people how to do it. And then I started doing the workshops where I would do weekend workshops where I would teach people each of these modalities and have them practice on each other to gain proficiency. And that's what I was doing, and I loved teaching those workshops. And then, of course, with COVID, uh, that all came to a, a stop. And so the book became the next chapter of that is I would write the book. And in the book, there are these step-by-step instructions with actual words to say and things to do that uh, is nearly the same as as the weekend workshops, except that you're not actually in person and doing it. Uh, but from what I'm hearing from my, my readers, many people are able to read the book and then follow the instructions and actually do the processes, which is amazing. And so the purpose of the book is to help people become their own healers and healers for their friends and family. I have heard that all healing is self-healing. Do you agree? Well, I would agree in that there's only one self, and we're all part of that <laughs> yeah. one self. <laughs> True. So, yeah, healing is self-healing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's true, that <laughs> if, if the person does not want to heal, there is nothing anyone can do to heal them. Another question I have for you, it's an open question, is um, intuition. You mentioned earlier being an intuitive. That seems to be like a fundamental exercise, a practice for all of us. 
How did you kind of learn to know the difference between the voice of the intellect, rationality, intuition, and who knows, the universe or other people? How do we know the difference, Judith? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I can remember when I first started um, and I was working on people, I really, I didn't know very much, but I thought, well, I, I just, I'm going to try. So I invited people that I knew, friends over and, and would would have them lie down and I would practice various types of energy healing. And I would start, I can't say it's like a voice, but it would be uh, almost like a, you know, like use some tobacco or use that crystal. It would be an, in, like an instruction, not exactly hearing it, but in my consciousness. And I would kind of go, oh, you're kidding or what? Or I would just, I would discard it. Oh, that I'm making that up. And if I would get it three times, you know, they'd, they'd say it again, you know, whoever they are, say it again. And by the third time I would go, okay. And I would just do it. And so over time, I became more trusting and more open to that. And I didn't need three times. You know, I would do it on the first time. Yeah. Uh, but that took took many years. And then just mainly through working it, my intuition mainly comes in when I'm working on someone else. So uh, uh, being able to use it to help someone else really, for me, opens the channel rather than being able to use it for myself. But it's it's just like like you say, opening up to these other aspects of yourself. I think it comes from our higher selves. I think it comes from our guides and and teachers and allies, uh, and just being open to however it comes for you. Because some people see things, other people hear things, other people may smell or taste things, or there's just a knowing. So everyone's intuition is a little bit different. And the I think the only way you develop the ability to use it is by doing it. Wow, I love that. So that's a, a form of relationship, isn't it? Of trust, creating the, the yeah, trust. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust is, I think, the key issue. Yeah, because a lot of times we don't trust their voice, or it's not even a voice, the suggestions, because... I can see that. It, I wonder why sometimes it sounds out there, you know, some of the suggestions, almost like uh, for the intellect, it's too kind of far from the reality that the body's living right now. So sometimes I wonder why it goes in that direction. But it's very right. playful, well, right, I, Judith, in a way. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, my my sense of that is there, there are many, many guides. Everyone has uh, a whole host of guides, and your guides kind of span the the spectrum from maybe animal allies to very, very high vibration, uh, non-physical beings, say ultra-terrestrials or something like that, or uh, angelic or archangelic. And those beings who have, like ascended masters, who have actually incarnated as a human being on Earth, they tend to give you uh, intuitions that make more sense. Whereas beings who have never incarnated and really don't know what it's like to be a human mm-hmm, right. can give you intuitions <laughs> that, that, like you say, that to your intellect goes, what the heck? You know? uh, yes. Because it's, dif- it's more difficult to translate that into mm-hmm. our level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And yet if you follow it, it'll be true. It'll be valid. 
Another question that comes with that, Judith, is mystical experiences. I know you had one you mentioned in a book at the age of 27. How do we learn to interpret them in the same way that we learn to interpret our intuition or mystical experiences are somehow different? Yeah, I, th I think it's along the same lines as intuition, and it's it has to be as unique as every person, because it depends on what the experience was, you know, how it landed for you in your consciousness and in your body, and how you're able to like interpret that for yourself, how it matches your belief system and maybe your upbringing and your conditioning, and then what it is that was the content of the experience was it like instructions like uh, you are to go do this or was it like opening aspects of yourself that had been hidden from you so uh, I, I think it just is totally individual and will as we were talking before will unfold as you keep walking the path i call it playfulness in a way because it doesn't give everything at once like we're not able sometimes to see the big picture or to to get to the destination, even within our own minds. So it's very playful the way it unfolds. It's one light at a time, one yeah, glimpse, I right? Agree yeah. Yes, and I agree with, if you stay in the position of playfulness, it will be much more fun and much better than if you take <laughs> it really seriously <laughs> yes. and try to work on it from a, from a linear, logical point of view. Your book has... So much amazing content here. I'm familiar with some of them, some of the healing modalities that you present, and not familiar with others. Let's see, Soul Retriever. I have heard about it, but I'm not so familiar with this modality. I uh, would love to hear more, Judith. Okay, so uh, first of all, I have to say, I'm not, it's it's called soul retrieval, but I'm not really sure that it's the soul <laughs> that has pieces and parts of it. I, I don't think the soul is ever divided. Yet, these are aspects of yourself or aspects of your personality that uh, when you are faced with some kind of experience that is overwhelming to you, and that's the key, it's overwhelming to you at that time it doesn't have to be horrific it can be just uh, being really startled that the impact of that experience is too much for your whole being to hold together and so a piece of you takes the impact of that uh, energy that's coming in and it actually kind of splits off or uh, goes dormant and as, as a, sh a shaman, shamanic practitioner see it, it, it can go either into the lower world, the middle world, or the upper world. So these are the three different worlds. So the lower world would be your unconscious or your subconscious. And so it's like a little fragment of yourself that has taken the, the energetic charge of whatever happened and then split off with it. And it goes into a state of like suspended animation where, wherever it resides. It can still even be in your body, but it is in this little sequestered bubble. And so the soul retrieval is, uh, as I do it, is I'm, I'm guiding the person to connect with the particular guide in non-physical uh, realm who is a specialist in, in soul retrievals and ask that guide, uh, are there pieces you know are there fragments of this person 
and the guide will say, you know, yes, no, and if there are, uh, please take us to that fragment or bring the fragment to us. And so the guide will actually take the client to wherever the fragment is, and the guides know where they are, if they're in the lower world, middle world, upper world, wherever they are. The guide takes the person there, and then the person... Uh, usually will recognize this aspect of themselves. Sometimes it's not clear, but most of the time it is clear. And they see, they might see themselves uh, as a little light or see themselves as a, as a young child or a teenager or something that they identify. And then we ask the guy to help bring that aspect of the person back into their body and and the person also can bring it in and so the person and the guide kind of bring that fragment back in and reincorporate it usually through the heart or the solar plexus comes back into the person and comes back online in terms of consciousness they welcome it back in they they uh, many times we'll see why it split off what it split off with and that it's been gone all this time and then they welcome it back in and it takes a while to reintegrate that aspect of the self but over time then it reintegrates with the person and is back so that's basically a a soul retrieval that sounds like a journey to me a a deep journey have you been through that too yes Yes. have you done this yourself yes yeah yes yeah many times have a lot of experience with so many healing modalities, uh, some of them Reiki, breath work, uh, hypnotherapy, meditation, trance, dance, energy healing, uh, sacred plant wisdom, and of course, uh, numerous shamanic techniques. I'm reading some of the, um, I think I took this from your bio. Sacred plant wisdom, is that connected to psychedelics or this is something that is just um, nature the food we eat, for example, can deliver wisdom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all, all the plants have wisdom. Uh, yet what I'm talking about there is the master plants, which would be the psychedelic plants, master teacher plants, that uh, when, you, when you commune with them, they have teaching and wisdom and healing that they offer you if you approach them in a sacred manner. So that they respond with their teaching. But all plants have that capacity, too. If, if you approach them with reverence and connect with the spirit of the plant, all plants will be able to teach you. There's something about psychedelics that has been very intriguing to me. I know it's not legal in the United States, maybe some parts of the United States. I believe uh, Colorado, by Judith, so Denver. Yeah, Denver, Colorado. I think Denver. Yeah, Denver and then Oregon and um, Oakland, California. And I think Chicago or, yeah. Oh, Chicago too. Okay. I know Canada. Yeah, I interviewed some therapists. They work with that. And shamans too from Canada. They all use plant medicine there, psilocybin and, and others. So, but I wonder why it's not legal yet. Is that something that, because you just mentioned, if it's not used in a sacred way, then it could cause, it could be quite the opposite, right? It could cause damage. Would that be the reason, the consequence? Yeah. Well, it's a carryover from the 60s and having been through the 60s and with the Vietnam War and and Richard Nixon uh, was terrified that uh, if people took psychedelics, they wouldn't want to fight in the war, which is probably true. And so he really pushed to make these all illegal. 
And there was a considerable valid research going on at the time. And all of that was just stopped and uh, made illegal, which was really a shame. So we're, uh, what, 40 years behind now where we would have been if that had been allowed to continue. Because what what we're seeing now is it's so valuable with uh, things like PTSD and OCD and other, especially uh, mental and psychological conditions that do not respond to anything else. So they're they're very valuable uh, as medicine. It seems like it's uh, we are getting there again. I'm I'm hoping in a way that that happens. Yes, it'll be interesting to watch this unfold. <laughs> right? Uh, I agree. <laughs> yes. So, Judith, we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, but I want to say again that I, I really admire what you do and how you do it. This just being open to life and being in life itself and letting this inspiration and this wisdom just to flow through you. And you, you wrote this book that offers so much. I want to thank you for that again. Oh, you're very welcome. It was definitely my pleasure to have done it. Yeah, thank you. I found it to be um, very nourishing and enlightening for me to have written the book. What is liberation to you? What is freedom from your perspective? For me, freedom is really deeply understanding who we are as uh, multidimensional, eternal, infinite beings of spirit. And knowing that, that we are infinite and and eternal, never-ending sparks from source gives us a level of freedom that I think nothing else can match. What do you love most about being in a human body? Oh, that is a fun question. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Being in a human body to me is, is, uh, at first, it was overwhelming because I remembered it. But the, the five senses that we have these sense of smell, taste, touch, hearing is really overwhelming. The input that's coming in all the time and the level of consciousness that we have as a human being uh, is, is really astounding. And I also love the, the fluidity of the body that we can dance, we can run and jump and swim and uh, move about. So there's a real fluidity to the human body that, that I really enjoy. Also, it's that there's aspects, especially the emotional aspects, that are apparently only available to us while we are here on the physical plane, and that you can't do some of this work in the other realms, in the spirit realm. We ha- That's why we incarnate. We have to come here back here to really work through a lot of the emotional, especially emotional and psychological issues uh, that can only be done when you're in a human body. I mean, it has to be the most fascinating experience. I mean, the only experience to have really, right, Judith? Because without the body, then it's not an experience anymore, is it? I don't think we call it experience. I'd have to agree with you. I don't think you have uh, direct experiences when you're in the spirit realm. I think you just kind of know things and see things. But but I agree, it's it's not the same. It's, being in a physical body is so convincing. It mm. is so real. <laughs> yes. And, right. uh, you know, so immediately <laughs> present that uh, I don't think there's anything else like it. 
it doesn't seem like. I mean, I have never talked to anyone. Although some of the things that I have read and have and people that I have talked to, they do mention these out-of-body experiences where you are in touch with other spiritual beings and you have these um, altered states where you experience things. And it's not connected to the human body in a way, but I think it is, right? We are experiencing still with the body at that level. Yeah, because you're still connected. You're going to be coming back. So there's still that connection to the to the incarnated body. So my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before we lose the body, before we die? Oh, boy. Um, three experiences. I would say really knowing that you are an eternal, infinite a spiritual being, spark of God, and th- that you can never lose that. You can never be separated from that. Uh, and I would say also knowing that you are 100% loved, unconditionally loved, no matter what you've done and where you've gone or who you've been. And then um, also knowing that everything you've experienced, everything you've said, thought, done, witnessed, all of that accrues to the evolution of your soul, of evolution of consciousness. So nothing is ever lost, nothing is ever wasted, nothing's a mistake. Everything is like grist for the mill, as they say. Yeah, I love your wisdom, of course. That I call it spiritual wisdom, of course. Even the way you say that, it's coming from that place when you say knowing. So it's the experiencing of knowing, which is the uh, experience of unconditional love in the human body or as the human body. And it's truly beautiful. Thank you so much, Judith, again, for being open to life. Yes, thank you, Valeria, for uh, providing this platform and for the work you do. It's so very important to get this information out to anyone who's open to hearing it. Yeah, thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. Judith is the only part that complains sometimes. Right. Uh, and before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, courses, and future projects? Well, the best place would be my website, which is judithhoagland.com. And I think that's probably right right below the where the recording is going to be so that's the best place to find me i'm also on linkedin and uh alignable and a few other places but the best place would be my website judithoakland.com yes and i'll have that on your podcast profile of course thank you so much again for your presence and we'll talk soon judith yeah thank you thank you valeria bye for now Thank you for listening. To learn more about Judith Hoagland and her work, please visit judithhoagland.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>